Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter. I am not going to call it anything else, at Braden Gall. Wow. What? What's your problem? Really? Do you walk around calling it meta, Steve? Do you walk around saying, I, I, you can follow me on meta, you can get to me on meta? No, you call it Facebook, okay? My name's Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Cavendish. If you like this pod, the one you're listening to right now, uh, you can read it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. All of those things help other people find this pod. Um, but mostly, we just want you to tell somebody that you listen to Lamestream Sports, they should too, and they should tell you know 10 or 15 people around them that they should listen also. This episode is exclusively to make you happy. Uh, this is all about making. I am you very happy. And see Steve Cavendish, very, very happy. We will discuss. Nate Rao is going to be our guest, of course, from Axios, one of the best reporters in town. When it Nate comes is to the, the best. When it comes to the intersection of politics and building sports venues, he is your guy. So we'll get an update on the Titan Stadium, what's actually happening in that process, what people need to know about in, in terms of the development of the whole area. Uh, how has it affected the mayoral race and just elections in general? So we'll get to all of that. But also, we are going to set the record straight. I think we might have to. We might get to. We might get to do this again some other time, Steve. But for now, we are going to set the record straight on what exactly is happening with baseball and the city of Nashville. One of Steve's. It, it actually is Steve's American pastime, denying that baseball is coming to Nashville. <laughs> So Nate, <laughs> Nate is going to help us understand exactly why Steve hates that people think that baseball is coming to Nashville. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm at least glad you didn't say that Steve hates baseball because Steve does not hate baseball. Steve's second favorite uh, national pastime is ripping on a large national newspaper conglomerate that likes to aggregate content and use AI. And he's very proud of himself. We will discuss that. Hey, they don't a do it. Hey, they're on. not doing it anymore. Save, save they're it. Not doing it anymore. Save it. We're going to cover that later on after the interview with Nate Rao. Before we get to Nate, however, Lamestream Sports brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the quarter zips at Jaspers. Look, football season is effing here. You don't want to go sit in the heat and pay really high prices to watch the Tennessee Vols play the Virginia Cavaliers in what will be a very large blowout. I got a place for you. Go to Jasper's. Free parking. Go to Jasper's. Not, not the case at Nissan Stadium. Free parking. Cheap, cheap, but very good food. High quality food. Jasper's, not Nissan Stadium. T zero admission price. Jasper's. It's a great place to watch college football. Great place to watch the NFL coming up. Great place to watch anything you want to watch in the sports world. If you want to watch a, a Nebraska volleyball game break NCAA records, you could do it at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. All right. Titan Stadium update. Where are we in the process? How has it affected the politics of our city? And more importantly, Steve's hatred of baseball. All of that in our conversation with Axios' Nate Rao. Thanks, man. Nate Rao, welcome to the show, my good friend. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me back on. Yep. Uh, how's that? Uh, how's that Cubs hat treating you right now? Oh, God, treating me great. Beat the Brewers two out of three. I'm feeling optimistic about a a playoff run. So it was looking a lot worse. I think the last time I was on the podcast. So are the uh, are the Cubs renegotiating current stadium deal for Wrigley Field? 
Is that? No, I think they're good. Okay. All right. Just, <laughs> just making sure. Uh, the other team in Chicago is going to be part of this conversation is we're going to talk a lot of baseball today. Try to give people a, a full-throated understanding of exactly what Music City Baseball is, the prospects of baseball coming to town, the hurdles that, that would need to be cleared. There are many. Uh, spoiler alert. And so we'll get to that. This is Steve's. Basically, this entire episode is just Steve's. I'm not sure Steve's wearing any pants right now, Nate. I'm not. I'm not sure. So uh, before we get, any, to, I don't think anybody needed that visual. <laughs> before we get to baseball, me. before we get to baseball, though, I do want to ask just in general. You've been covering the Titan Stadium deal for a very long time, and you've done this for a lot of different administrations through different candidate, different mayoral administrations, and different stadiums for different teams. Uh, just in general, we've got sort of an architect, I believe, for the stadium that was selected back in May. They've sort of started to award. You know, pieces of the construction contract and some other things. Uh, just in general, where are we in the state of the process? What do Nashvilleians need to know uh, about the the current construction of the new Titan Stadium? I, th- I think we're in the phase where uh, if if you are a uh, sort of niche business reporter, this is like the most exciting phase. They're picking the construction team and the design team who will you know build the actual stadium. Um, they've picked a developer for the portion of the property that the Titans control that will be developed, you know, with commercial, uh, real estate and, uh, on the city side, they're getting close to picking a developer who will, or the, the contractor who will lead the broader development of the East bank. Um, we got updated renderings. I thought the stadium looked a little bit different in those updated renderings than what it looked like uh, first renderings. Uh, we we definitely got a better view of the roof um, than what we had seen in those first renderings, and I think just in general, what what people need to know, your average fan, you know, citizen needs to know, is that we're on track for the stadium to open in time for the twenty twenty seven season. Do you think it looks more or less like the world's biggest Whole Foods after looking at those <laughs> renderings? <laughs> I I heard some someone say uh, maybe it looked like Fifth and Broad if they turned Fifth and Broad into a stadium. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's funny. I, do, do stadium designs grow on people? Like I've got friends in Minneapolis. That's a really like stark design, the Viking Stadium, and it seems like they didn't like it at first, and now it's like regarded as one of the best stadiums in the NFL. So I don't know. Maybe this will grow on people too. Uh, it's it's funny. We were watching the Netflix quarterback documentary, and my wife had never seen it before, and she was like, "That is so ugly." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, but people love it." Like it's very well regarded. It's a great atmosphere, uh, you know, great inside everything. So uh, that's ironic that you mentioned that particular giant glass black box in (laughs) Minneapolis. You mentioned like all the renderings and sort of picking out different contracts. I'm just curious. Do you guys have any sense of because the the non-sports fans care deep as much about this as the sports fans do in this city? And the non-sports fans care about a lot of other things that will be packaged around the stadium. Do you have any sense of when, and it was a big part of the, the election cycle, we'll, we'll ask about that in a second, but do you have any sense of when we're going to start getting actual details about those things that other people care about, the affordable housing, the transit, the the mixed use? You know, Burke Nihill was talking on the broadcast very clearly about how he didn't want it to be, I took it, as didn't want it to be just total entertainment replica of downtown Broadway. He talked a lot about how he wanted it to be a neighborhood for families to use. Do you have any sense of when we actually find out some of that detail stuff? Or are we a ways away from that? I think we're a ways away from knowing like specific tenants. You know, the Mayor Cooper's administration's like Envision East Bank plan. Uh, forgive me if I got that that name wrong. But it <laughs> it it kind of painted broad strokes for what the East Bank will look like. 
you know, I think we know like that road that will become one of the main roads in Nashville, frankly, that will run north and south. We know like the bike lanes and the bus stops and things like that. But in terms of like who are the tenants, I think we're a ways off. I think maybe even into next year, it it will be into next year before we get answers like that. The East Bank proposal is so much bigger than the stadium deal and the stadium deal is a big deal. And I, I think by necessity has to follow some of the stadium stuff. I mean, like the current Titan Stadium is on some of the land that that is going to be redeveloped. And so you have to get the other stadium in, in place before you can tear that one down and then begin like have that that whole area begin to change. This is not a quick thing. This is a the East. When we talk about the East Bank, we're talking about a 10, 20 year thing here. We're not talking about like you know, what were they sea monkeys that you just added water to? And, and, you know, you, all of a sudden they kind of, they just started growing. It's not like Chia or, or like, you know, Chia city, the little, you know, the, little just, the little foam animals that I give my three-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's just not, I mean, we've talked a lot about kind of this being a legacy thing for Cooper, kind of the, the whole East bank in general. And by legacy, we mean like decades in the making here. I mean, we're going to be talking about stuff that that's that's going into the East Bank for the next you know 20 years. I have thought it was interesting that in, in virtually all of his campaign speeches, Freddie O'Connell is bringing up the planning process for the East Bank. So he's pivoting, you know, I think pretty cleverly uh, to talking about what, what Steve was just talking about. It, it's a legacy project for Cooper because it all got launched in, under his administration. The stadium got approved by his administration, but it will be a legacy project for whoever the next mayor is, too. Well, and and I think I think O'Connell kind of rightly recognizes that like this is something you this is something that no matter who you want to be mayor, whether it's Rowley or or O'Connell, the next mayor has to get this right, right? I mean, like there's just it's too much land, it's too important. The connectivity between downtown and and East Nashville, the the sort of like the north south connectivity, it, it is too important an area to get wrong. And so, I, and to your point, I think you're exactly right. I mean. Uh, O'Connell's been has been has been talking about the East Bank a lot, and and I think that's that kind of gets to something you hinted about uh, here, Braden, which was like you know, kind of like what what was there any sort of political effect of the stadium? I mean, Freddie, basically, I, I think you, you can make an you can make an argument, and I have made this argument that O'Connell's been a fairly centrist <laughs> sort of council member here over the last eight years. I mean. Some of that's by necessity because, you know, his his district is downtown and there's been a lot of growth and development and all this other stuff. And he's been in the middle of all of it. But I mean, like, it's hard to look at Freddie's record and go, man, like, here's this fire breathing progressive who is way out on the left on on all this stuff. No, he's been in the middle of like most of the growth and development stuff. But he has this vote against the Titan Stadium that progressives absolutely loved him for. And it's the Obama Iraq war vote. I mean, I, I think it's I, I think it's I think it's kind of funny that, you know, we're sitting here talking about like progressive versus conservative in the mayoral race. I mean, Freddie's kind of a centrist. And but the progressives have have loved him for his fight on the for his fight on the Titan Stadium. It, it is absolutely unsurprising that he has now said, all right, well, that's a done deal. Lost it. But we got to make it work. And so going to make the stadium work, going to make the East Bank work, going to do whatever else, because, I mean, he's a responsible guy. Is, it, is there a question in there for Nate? For our guest, Nate, your thoughts. Well, <laughs> talk, I mean, talk, can, talk about take, it, Nate. Yeah, you can take it further than that. We had a story a few weeks ago that looked at all of the economic development deals while 
O'Connell was in office and he voted against one of them. Yeah. One. He mm. was for deals for massive companies like Oracle, Amazon, Alliance, Bernstein. Is it a progressive worldview that those companies need tax breaks? I don't know. He voted for a soccer stadium deal for a billionaire. All of those votes are perfectly defensible. So I'm not I'm not I'm not criticizing anybody for how they vote on any of those, except he did, as Cav just explained, he rode the wave of this one vote. I, I do think the mood in the city changed a little bit too, though, right? Like I don't remember there being a progressive pushback to the same degree to Alliance Bernstein, right? Um, a lot of those deals were smaller. And 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 what O'Connell told us in that story was the Titans deal was a bigger tax commitment by magnitudes. And he was right. You know, I don't know why I wasted my time fact checking this guy because <laughs> he's a numbers like kind of guru, but you add up all those other deals combined and they were still less than the city's contribution on the Titan stadium. So, and then you add in everything we're talking about, all the East bank commitment, and you can understand why this vote was different for him than the other ones. Well, I think well, the mood the, changed too. One very questionable media entity in the city referred to him as a bespectacle transit nerd, but that was, that's a highly questionable uh, entity in the city. <laughs> well, there was there, there was there was this really interesting moment uh, in in one of the mayoral forums where uh, I think it was Stephen Elliott from the Post had asked Freddie and 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 had asked him exactly what Nate was talking about, which is, "Hey, you are you are against the Titans deal here for these reasons," and and he used the he used the uh, Lifeway example, and he's like, "But you know, you voted for incentives for Lifeway to kind of basically move about a mile away." And Freddie's explanation was really interesting. And, it, and he said, he said, yeah, but, you know, they weren't paying tax on that on that land there. They are paying tax on this on this new land over here. So we you know, we, we gave them a little bit of benefit to 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 relocate over here to this new building. And then something his explanation was something like that. And then he said, but more importantly, we've activated all of this land like here where Nashville Yards is going. And Amazon's building two towers, and there's going to be entertainment. There's going to be, he said, basically, you know, it, it's a net plus for the city in terms of tax revenue. Yeah, you make that deal every time. And I think that's sort of the rub that that you get into when you when you talk about kind of some of these deals in the abstract or or in like purely ideological terms as as opposed to kind of like city benefit terms. And you know, it's you could you could view that as purely uh purely like putting more emphasis on downtown or more more tax breaks for for companies or whatever else or you can also look at it as the, the city's getting paid on both ends of that deal because of because of tax activation it, it's a really weird spot that we're in in terms of kind of like this conversation around around tax breaks because like like to Nate's point o O'Connell has been has been generally in favor of sort of these deals I mean everybody we'll get to baseball here and I'll and I'll shut up about this but you know it's, it's really kind of interesting like Secretly, like his North Star is probably closer to Carl Dean than any, than any of the progressives in town want it want it to be. And uh, I, I think that I think some of them, if they uh, if they think about it too hard, it'll it'll make their brain hurt. Yeah, and the only thing I'd add to that is I, I think I think this is kind of off the table for the, whoever the next mayor is. I don't think there will be an oracle. I don't think there is a company that could come in and want to come to Nashville that we would be talking about these kind of deals. So he's relieved from the possibility of being at conflict with his track record 
and the progressives wanting to pull him in a different direction. I, I think his fingers on the pulse of where the city is politically. And I don't think that we're going to see an Amazon type deal in the next four years. I think the Titans deal was the straw that broke the, the camel's back after 15 or 20 years of subsidizing. And it's not just Democrats that helped him run up that score. It's you said it, it's the pulse of the city. And there's a lot of conservative leading folk who don't like government subsidy for big corporations that also helped him get to that 27,000 votes in, in the initial election. All right. So that that's enough of, of Steve for a second. Um, so, Nate, let me I, I want to go because I don't care about the tenants necessarily. I don't care about like which hot chicken place is going to be on which road. I, I don't necessarily care about that or maybe which you should, either, which I, eventually I will. I am talking I my question. And again, maybe I'm repeating myself here, but I'm you're saying next year at the earliest is when we will know maybe the broad strategies because I think that's what people care about. I don't think they necessarily care about the specific details of, you know, this restaurant or this building or this many stories or whatever. I think it's like, are they going to follow the path that the citizens want, which is neighborhoods, communities, transit, affordability? When do we get a sense that that like, I'll just speak from as a voter, like I don't, I have my cynical hesitations with them actually delivering on a lot of those promises but that's just me as like a cynical voter so when do you think we start to learn is that next year you're saying well i think the uh the mayor mayor cooper's uh vision east bank plan lays out some of that in broad strokes there will be affordable housing there it will be a transit hub uh, a mass transit hub, unlike anything we've really seen before, because as I understand it, there's a lot more dedicated bus lanes than what we have uh, anywhere else. And I I think that what the next mayor, <laughs> I'm going to be careful how I phrase that, what the next mayor's imprint is on this, that's what I mean about coming into focus next year. I know one thing that like Kevin and I have both reported on and are really interested in is TPAC and Nashville School of the Arts greenways are there is there stuff that like I, I live in white's creek is there stuff that people from white's creek are going to want to drive down and use it even if we're not going yeah. to a concert or a game i think the answer we can already say generically without knowing the details is yes um i think that the direction this is headed is that it's a lot more like community focused broader community focused than just than lower broadway for instance or the gulch and but but having said that, I also think you're going to see housing like you know market rate housing, and and they will be their own neighborhoods too. So, I think O'Connell has said. So I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. The plan's in place now. It's about implementing it and making sure that there is affordable housing. That's a really big deal. So I could see that being one in particular where he turns it up a little, turns up the volume a little bit from whatever's in the plan. But uh, if he's elected, right, <laughs> and so. Uh, but well, yeah. and this is something that even Alice Rowley talks about. Uh, you know, when when you ask her about the about the Titans deal, she was leaned more in support of it. But but the thing she talks about is like the ability to get the acreage back in that area that the city can do specific things with, especially specifically in terms of affordable housing, because you can't sit, because of the way the state law is written, you can't just mandate you know x amount of affordable housing. But if the city owns the land, it becomes much easier to kind of incorporate that into the into the deal. And there is going to be a lot of retail and commercial there, because, as we know, the way the Titan Stadium 
ATM is financed is with the sales tax dollars generated in close proximity to the stadium. That can't be housing and green space completely. The Titans have the, the, their own parcel that's a little bit closer to the stadium, but we're gonna we are gonna see restaurants and bars and stuff like that. So that could have some tourist appeal. But one thing, the Titans only play, what, 10 games a year, right? If they're in the playoffs, a few more than that. So this has to be something necessarily that attracts more locals than just 10 games out of the year. Well, it's interesting. And I think some of the buildings that were built in like, you know, lower Broadway and south of Broadway area, it was a lot of incentive tax incentives for builders to offer 20 percent of the building at lower income. So you can do it with mixed price points and, and mixed buyers so we'll, we'll see what happens all right that, that's enough of that I want to I want to talk baseball here because this is Steve's favorite topic and I, I I'm gonna start broadly because we've had some news there's been some stories out of other cities we've had some news with the athletics uh finally officially moving to Las Vegas so I want to uh we'll, we'll get to all of the details of this but I just want to start with how, how do we get here how, how how are we here with a large organization sending me newsletters literally like 30 minutes ago with information in it that has nothing to do with baseball coming to Nashville. Why do I get asked by everyone is, is baseball coming? When's baseball coming? Well, I, I think there is an organization that has been trying to get traction in Nashville for what, five or six years. Uh, they've been trying to attract investors. They've succeeded. There's some prominent business people. There's some celebrities that have joined the group. They're called music city baseball. Their goal is to bring an expansion team to Nashville and then so you have that track and like you're talking about, they have a pretty they're getting more sophisticated or or at least more involved in their public relations efforts. We're like, you know, in the media, we're getting press releases. Uh, they're definitely lots out, of press you know, releases, lots right. of press releases. And I agree. They don't always quite make sense in terms of a baseball effort. But let's just say that this group never existed. Right. Let's say that they never formed and we didn't know who John Lohr was. Um Nashville would still be at the top of the list of the cities that were possible as the next MLB market where we are the most successful AAA market. We look, if you're, if you were the Titan stadium makes clear that we're a city that wants to invest in pro sports, the MLS uh, team and stadium have been wildly successful. We've got one of the most active, uh, arenas in the world you know um one and uh in terms of attendance and concerts in addition to the preds so you have all these factors that make nashville a desirable baseball market and then you've got this group try- trying but i would say is trying to drum up interest and then you have mlb on top of all of that with the teams they have three or four existing teams whose stadium situations are just kind of a mess and so you add in just the likelihood of Nashville on making any list, this group trying to drum up interest, and then just the reality of MLBs having these kind of struggling franchises. And that, I think that's how we get to get to this point. I, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, which is if Music City Baseball didn't exist or the Stars operation didn't exist, Nashville would still be at the top of all these lists. I mean, the, like all of this has nothing to do with them and and actually it probably these discussions happen without them uh it's particularly if you're if you're talking about relocation uh you know if if one of these big clubs is going to is going to move to nashville uh it's going to happen outside of what these guys have been doing for the last five years nate let me ask you about relocation versus expansion because i read a a recent news story i'm not going to talk about who it was 
a recent news story in Nashville that said because the Oakland Athletics have signed a deal to move to Las Vegas and play in Las Vegas. So they, as a relocation option, are off the table. And and a phrase that was used in the report was, well, Nashville, Music City Baseball and the Nashville Stars have cleared one more hurdle into getting a, a baseball team to come to Nashville. And my immediate thought was, isn't relocation far more likely than expansion because expansion will cost you two billion more dollars than relocation. I, I know there's other fees involved in relocation, but isn't relocation the best chance at a baseball team coming, or is expansion because it's clean and clear, and you can put together a group that wants to pay the fee if you've got somebody that can afford that? Which one is more likely and and more doable? Well, there are political realities that I think make both, frankly, unlikely right now. What they might have meant in that story was that Manfred, the MLB commissioner, has said he's not going to consider expansion until he sorts out the Rays and the A's stadium situations. So if the A's do get across this, the finish line on moving to Vegas, we are one step closer conceivably to expansion, according to what Manfred has said. The, the Rays would be the next to be figured out. Of course, Reinsdorf and the White Sox have kind of blown all this up a little bit. Um, and and now they're talking, for, by, by the way, there's some precedent with the White Sox, you know, kind of threatening to leave town. This is kind of an old tactic by them. Uh, but so I think in, what's more likely I don't know. I don't see this group. I've, I've reported. I think Cavs reported. I don't see this group where they are right now as having the finances to pull off an expansion. It's very expensive. We have political realities in the city that make it unlikely to me right now. I think we would have to have some sort of diametric shift in politics for the city political leaders to want to do something like fork over billions of dollars uh, for a stadium. Um, so I, I would personally think that relocation is more likely because you have an existing ownership group I would imagine they'd be willing to invest something to, to make a relocation work. Uh, but even that has just huge hurdles that would have to be cleared before we, before it would be serious. I think Nate's exactly right. The at rotary on Monday or Tuesday, both candidates were asked, uh, were asked this uh, in kind of a, in a kind of a Q and a session. And both of them said, I think Freddie's, I think Freddie's exact quote was something along the lines of, I welcome, I, I would welcome the conversation with anybody who wants to privately finance Nashville's <laughs> next civic entertainment uh, <laughs> arena. And, 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 and uh, you know, he was being cute there, but at the same time, I, like the city's not going to pay for another stadium, at least not in O'Connell administration. And Rowley agreed with it. And, and, you know, this is the, this is the sort of thing that, like you saw how like how much time and effort that like this took it, uh, out of the Cooper administration. I mean, all the time that they could have been spending on the on on any number of other things, including the East Bank. You know, they spent a ton of time and energy and effort on uh, on getting the Titans thing across the line. And I think any mayor would look at like a, like a baseball stadium and city financing around it as being a huge drain on personal political capital on actual capital on um on city politics on on attention away from things that they want to do uh you know this is not at the top of anybody's 
wish list of, of things that they want to spend time and effort on. And so I, I think Nate's exactly right. Like the mood shifted and the Titans may be the last one, may, may, may be the last one, you know, in the barn before the door closed, uh, you know, ask the racetrack people how they feel right now about what their odds are. And they, they're looking at, they're looking at the shift in the, in the, in the, the mood of the electorate and you know, they may have, they may have missed their window. So that's like $30 million dollars a, too. It, it's like it, a, it's like a drop in the bucket compared to a baseball stadium. Um, so I, I listen, I, I, we're not here to debate the, 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 the likelihood of, of a team coming to Nashville. I think we all agree. It's extremely unlikely. I was just curious, like, is, is the math not as simple as cost to build a stadium is the same for expansion or relocation. And, and from a political standpoint, from a dollar standpoint, from a real estate standpoint, incredibly difficult on all those fronts. But don't you just add plus two billion for for an expansion yeah. for an ownership group that right now has some money, but not a ton of money to to as we've said, capital B billionaire needs to be involved in in spending what could be three or four billion dollars if it's an expansion franchise. Yeah, except if Reinsdorf wants to leave Chicago, he's gonna want the new city that he relocates to to do what Chicago's politicians won't do, which is help pay for a stadium. So there's a, honestly, I think they're both just kind of unlikely. So Hey, hey Nate, let me ask ask it to you this way, though. Uh, So you see this with Ryan Storff. You see this a little bit with Tampa, but you've really seen this with with the Baltimore uh, franchise. Uh, Every time these guys come up, isn't it, it's a fair way to look at this that that those are leverage ploys by these ownership groups. That there that are is it is it more fair to say that that we're being, they're we're being using used, Nashville that then 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 they're then they are uh, serious about moving to Nashville. I mean, Chicago is, in my opinion, the greatest pro sports city in this country. The Bears are very far down the line on possibly moving to the suburbs. The White Sox are facing that same reality of uh, of just there's no political will there. You've got this city with decades and decades of history and tradition and championships and even there the mayor and the and the city council are skeptical at best about paying for it. So yeah, some of it is in the two in the case of Chicago and Baltimore, like yeah, we'll just move to Nashville because we're like the cool city to throw out there. But some of it in in the case of Chicago, like I do think that it is possible that they do re, they end up relocating. Maybe it is to the suburbs, like the Bears. But um, yeah, Nashville will always be <laughs> will always be the one. Like Braden and I are Packers fans, and like they get tossed out as in trade rumor. You know, they're the team, the secret team for Jonathan Taylor. And even the GM's like, well, that was just leverage to throw that out there uh, yesterday. Um, you know, maybe the Bears are kicking the tires on him. So I don't know. I until they announce they're actually expanding, until we see someone like the Haslam's or the Ingrams wanting to bring a team here. It, for me, it's just kind of like fun stuff to talk about. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about national sports media and business, and it is brought to you by the free parking at Jasper's. 
just the parking, not the not the food. Just the parking. The parking is the only sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> not not the game room. How did the parking get that the kind of marketing? Got juice, man. Well, how did the parking lot get that kind of marketing budget if it doesn't charge anyone to park there? It's very strange. But uh, the food is great, and and the the atmosphere is great. The game room is also free, by the way, but it just adds to the uh, the vibes inside. Uh, I got a I got a food football Labor Day question for you, Steve. Standing by. Do you have so I have a very specific first weekend of the college football season tradition. Do you have any Labor Day food, football, college kickoff traditions? Everybody always talks about it as being like the beginning of fall, but it's just too damn hot here in Nashville. I, you know, like I, I'm ready for fall food. I'm ready for I'm ready for like tailgate food. I will make it a point to make a big batch of wings for uh, for college football this weekend. You know, do you drop them in the, the fryer? Do you fry them? What, what do you do with the wings? I do not uh, go to Jasper's as I give this <laughs> recipe from Bon Appetit from uh, from several years ago. There, like, it, well, I'm sorry, it's food and wine. If you search for if you search for Angry Wings, it is a Korean gochujang based thing. And what you do is you take your you take your wings, you drop them in a bowl, you coat them in oil, shake off the excess, put them on a pan in the oven. I think it's like 4:25 for like 30 minutes or so. But you get the same effect as frying, but you're not deep frying them. The high temps. Uh, so you get crispy skin, but it's not as saturated. And then you take them out, you let them cool just a little bit, and then you put them back in that bowl with this gochujang-based uh, sauce. And it's like a little sweet, but it is a lot hot. And I, I like it better than I do buffalo. I think it's significantly better. This recipe on how you can feed yourself at home and not go to a restaurant is brought to you by Jasper's. It's brought to you by Jasper's. It's brought to you by Jasper's. <laughs> uh, um, so thanks for that. We do appreciate it, Steve. No, I I make chili. I make the first big batch of chili, but also I struggle with the heat as well. It is very hard to eat a huge batch of delicious homemade chili on the opening weekend of college football if it is 97 degrees outside. Now, this past week, we did get a break from the heat a little bit. There was a couple of really nice nights. I do think we always get at least one Saturday in in the early couple of weeks of September where it just smells like football in the morning. And that's the morning I wake up and go, all right, we're making chili today. <laughs> and uh, I hope I sure as heck hope it's this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got tight. You got the uh, Tennessee Vols in at Nissan Stadium. We joke earlier uh, about about going to the game, but I will be there. Uh, of course, of course, I'll pay the money to be there. So uh, the wife. Are you going to tailgate beforehand? Hell yeah, we are. I'm going to I'm going to have Jasper's cater it, too. Awesome. Uh, if you do, and you're gonna do wings, are you a are you a dry rub guy? Are you a buffalo guy? Or are you a bang bang guy? Those bang bang wings are fucking very good. good. Very good. I've turned into as I've gotten older, I've gone. Oh, I've drifted. Oh, my. Well, like my insides have told me to drift away from buffalo sauce, and and like the heavy deep fried skin. So I, that's partly why Jasper's wings are so great is that they're not extraordinarily spicy and they don't have like a ton of extra like fry skin on it. I have, I don't know if this is like sacrilege for a football fan eating wings, because wings is my number one football food, like watching a game, tailgate food. I have drifted into the Alabama white sauce for mm. uh, for chicken good, wings. Good times. For chicken wings. And if you can get an Alabama good white time. sauce with a little bit of spice to it, now we're talking, Jaspers. Now we're talking. See, that's what I used to, uh, that's what I used to cool off the, uh, like if, I, if I've got buffalo, but like buffalo with alabama white Ooh. like you use it as like a dipping sauce nice 
I mean, it's a good it's a good contrast. Do we need to do a deep dive into the origins of the phrase Alabama white sauce? <laughs> I don't want to deep, deep dive into anything in Alabama. But yeah, that's, maybe that's, that's fair. Uh, go to Jasper's, everybody. Enjoy Labor Day weekend. Go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. So we talked last week about like sort of why conspiracy theories take root and and some of it's because we have preconceived notions of things and so when when a conspiracy theory sort of plucks the right nerve it can really it can really kind of entrench itself and it does feel like that's like there's some things that about the Nashville Stars the history of the Negro League like there's things that we all uh, that love Nashville I like I think that's a really good part of the story I I want to see that part of the story celebrated but at the same time, you go to the Music City Baseball website and you read that their goal is to be finished with construction on a on an entertainment district for a baseball stadium and start playing in the spring of 2027. And yet, like the Titans are starting are trying to play about the same time. And we are now like four or five or six years down the road of planning this. And we still have four more years to go. I I know that we can't control people in Baltimore or Chicago just using our name or Rob Man- Rob Manfred just saying off the cuff, like, hey, we'd love to be in Nashville. Uh, we can't control that stuff. But it seems like people don't actually understand in the city, like how this process is supposed to work. And Music City Baseball and, and Nashville Stars has taken advantage of that. Yeah. it let Like, I do like to think about how would this end up coming together? And I think the answer is Bill Haslam. He has now gotten into pro sports as the majority owner of the Preds, which he will be over the next several years. He was asked at his introductory press conference about more other pro sports. And he says he's a big believer in pro sports and he's a big believer in in Nashville. So he's the one who I think could. He's living in 12 South now. So, I mean, there you go. (laughs) But hey, we need to start the ballpark on 12 South. I, I think can we can we tear down the fairgrounds and put a baseball stadium there? Is that allowed? Yeah, tear down the tear down the soccer stadium, you know, and the racetrack for a baseball stadium. <laughs> uh, they should those neighbors will should look at what traffic would be like then. Uh, hey, have you guys ever yeah, talked no about traffic at Geodis? That's like worth. Its own episode. Am I wrong? Is that worth its own episode? No, traffic. Know. Traffic sucks at Jonas. Oh, what do you mean? We talk about it all the time. Uh, <laughs> every person I know that goes to visit another country comes home and complains about traffic. <laughs> but, but it still is the mystifying thing to me about uh, the discussions about the racetrack. Because setting aside the noise, which I lived relatively close there many years ago, it is it is annoying. Uh, the number of times where traffic would be affected and parking and all that stuff would be affected is a fraction of what it is for the soccer team. So I just don't get, I, that's the part I just don't get. Like right, why back, would that? Back to hating on baseball. Um, no, it's it, the, the only solution is public transportation. We need tubes everywhere. Okay. That's it. <laughs> that's, well, okay, and but, that's why I like the, but that's why, that's why like when the, like it made, it's like, it made sense when the tra- transit plan was was pit, was pitched there in 2018 and it went down there was going to be a there's going to be a big light rail corridor down Nolansville Pike and it made huge sense it made huge sense if you're going to put like a stadium and uh, you know redevelop the racetrack and do whatever else there because you have like a more efficient way to get people in and out of there I mean I, like I I I love that stadium it's a great place to see a game the atmosphere is is hands down like the best in the city right now but it is a nightmare to get in and out. Yeah, but, but and, and, and Fort, 
Sorry. Go ahead. Well, there is a tie to what the what the Music City Baseball has talked about is the land by TSU. The amount of parking and traffic and infrastructure and mass transit that you would need to put a major league baseball stadium there like blows my mind. Like look <laughs> at where Geodis is. It's in the it's in the urban core. It's on main roads and it still has it still has issues. Can you imagine putting it 10 minutes off the interstate, <laughs> you know, five minutes off the interstate and multiple turns and there's no infrastructure around there? It it would be very, very expensive. I, I, look, look, I think we can all agree that we as a state or city or whatever should invest more in Tennessee State. I think that we can all agree that in general, that that's probably a good thing for us to be doing. But the to, to clarify, so everybody knows what you just said about the land. The agreement by the Nashville Stars and Music City Baseball is an agreement with Tennessee State to search for some land. <laughs> it's not it's not an right. agreement for land. It's an agreement that we, we've signed an agreement to both work together to look for something. I I just want to do I don't what Nate, why do people not understand that that is not the same as having land to build a stadium? I think that they're they've discussed the agriculture land uh, that is is relatively unused um, closer to the river. So I, I guess you might even throw in a bridge that they would possibly need. Uh, I mean, I would be pretty sure. Listening. Let's throw in a bridge. That'll be cheap. Yeah. How'd that work out for Maytown Center? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do agree with you. It's intriguing to think about development in that part of town. It's intriguing to think about using uh, or partnering with TSU. But uh, there's other like massive logistical issues. And and there is a there is a neighborhood backlash, the uh, to to some of that idea that like has not been tested, uh, and, and you know every single every single bit of how Nashville has changed, in the last in the last twenty years, you, you know you if you put a, if you tried to put a stadium in that area. Uh, like you would have that you would have 20 years of what that fight was like concentrated into one single place. I, I think I've talked to some neighbors over there who, who are just like dead set against the idea of not, of not only, you know, 82 games of, uh, or 81 game, 81 home games of, of baseball every year, but also the, the idea of like how it would change, it change those neighborhoods, those historically black neighborhoods, uh, more than they've already changed already. Uh, you know, th there's a there's a lot of tension. Th there's a lot of tension in North Nashville, in particular, about uh, about development and and how it should augment it, the neighbors that are there already, as opposed to being like big shiny toys for the entire city. There's a, just go read the 1970 decision on how to build the I-40 loop. Uh, that's all you got to that's all you got to read up on uh, to understand why those neighborhoods are a little bit skeptical of development coming through uh, their areas of town. Let me ask you this, because I get asked this all the time and my I, I sort of suggest it off cuff because it's not really a possibility. But you just mentioned Chicago White Sox going to the suburbs like the interest for baseball and the land for baseball is not downtown. In my in my opinion, I get they want an entertainment district, but like the Atlanta Stadium is built. 25 30 minutes from downtown where they put their entertainment district which is near the the wealthiest 
and probably least diverse part of Atlanta's metropolitan area. Is there not a thirst for this in some other place? Like whether, is there not a thirst for this down the I-65 South corridor? Maybe just kick out the way down church, you know, and like put it right there in between Hillsborough and, and 65. Like why would it not work somewhere else? Thompson station? Like I don't, is somebody else interested in this? I haven't heard specifically about uh, the suburbs, but I think we're at the point where that will be would be the next most likely place. Williamson County strikes me as the the place politically where it would probably be more feasible, frankly, to get the tax incentives to make it work. Um, but again, I mean, man, the traffic would just on those game nights, it's already what time are the games starting to just make that work? You know, we already have a 65 South conge- congestion problem. So uh, that, but that is a really good point. I think that's the next most likely place. I invite our neighbors from Williamson County to pay for something. Anything. Yeah. I mean, anything. You do love our culture up here though. In Davidson County, for all the finger wagging you guys do down there. You know, what would, what would be interesting though, is whether it's, I mean, whether we were to put that in, it's like, I think in Williamson or in uh, Rutherford. And I, and I actually think Rutherford County could could be like, like there's a kind of combination of like available land and um, kind of growth in uh, growth at the base that could support it. Like you could sort of kind of figure out like how uh, you could you could figure all that out in, in Rutherford as well, too. Um, like, is that the thing that could end up spurring some sort of regional transit piece in a way that like i mean like when you hear the mayoral candidates talking about transit like you know this was true when it was when it was the group of candidates it's it's true now when you talk to rolling and, and o'connell about it like the big the, the big problem is is that it, you know there's jobs in nashville there's people living outside of nashville and there's a there's a it, it's a clusterfuck coming in and out every day and so how do you how do you sort how do you start to fix that and the incentives are, right now are not necessarily around um uh, around other counties cooperatively paying for some big some big thing you know could could this be the thing that kind of spurs some of that because the traffic alone would be such a nightmare that you would have to figure out a solution to it in order to in order to make it work maybe i don't know uh i that 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 to me as a you know baseball as a, as a transit spur is a lot more interesting to me than you know building a building a stadium somewhere kind of in downtown i, I agree with that you get a haslam on board you get the state to help with a regional transit <laughs> solution you get you get uh you get uh ketron's monorail to uh <laughs> to uh rutherford county and uh and and there you go well, there there has been um, because of the infrastructure bill that was passed at the federal level, there actually has been movement on some of this stuff. Like you've got private companies in Florida working on building light rail from Orlando to Miami. You've got one that probably costs way too much and will take way too long to build potentially from Vegas to California. But Amtrak is expanding into like 40 cities really quickly with a lot of infrastructure money. So how can we get a piece of that is, I guess, the, the question. And and maybe your base. So this leads me into like sort of I want you, Nate and, and Steve, you can be a part of this as well. I, I kind of want you guys to give us the cliff notes, like pecking order of things that would have to happen for ultimately Nashville to end up with a baseball stadium. And you don't have to you can treetop it. You don't need to give me super details on each one of the bullet points. But I want folks to understand the gravity of the list that you're about to lay out 
Um, because again, we I I'm interested with like both of you. I'm far more interested in baseball as a transit <laughs> kickstart than any that than anything else. I hadn't even thought about that, but give me the list. Like it's there's an expansion fee, there's a stadium conversation, there's ownership group. There, like just kind of work yourself down the list of things that in order. You you cover these things at, at in depth. What is the actual order of things once and for all, so everyone knows these are the things that have to happen before we actually get a baseball team. Well, if it's expansion, then MLB has to say they're willing to expand, and you would have a multi-year process to even pick the cities. For Nashville to rise to the top of that list, we need a capital B billionaire as part of a local ownership group. If it's relocation, then you have to have a team, which the White Sox would not fit really fit this, in my opinion. The Orioles are off the table, but you'd have to have a team willing to spend billions of dollars on a new stadium. And you would have to have land. And as we just discussed, the most likely places are on the fringe of the county or outside the county. You would have to have a tax incentive where the state takes the lead at a massive level, if not 100% state uh, incentives and finance, because where we are as a city just doesn't lend itself to any sort of state particip uh, city participation. And you probably would have to have a transformative mass transit plan or solution to get people to and from the game because it's 80 games. It's not, it's not 40 games. It's not 20 games. It's 80 games a year of thousands of people coming in and out. That's all. That's all. That's all we need. And how many of thing, those things do we have? <laughs> None. We have Don. Uh, we have Don Mattingly. <laughs> what 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 Nate said, and 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 I think that, and this gets back to sort of like the problem with the 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 stars have, and the problem that any anything any discussion about baseball has in Nashville, which is give give me a billionaire, you know, have the billionaire step up that. Well, all of a sudden, like a, a lot of answers start like magically falling into place uh, the minute that that happens. Uh, and, and you know, if that person steps up and says, I'm going to build a private stadium, it all of a sudden is going to accelerate a lot faster. Uh, come on, come and on so, down. Come on down. Um, but but yeah, I, I think I think Nate's order is but is spot on. Let me ask you guys as sports fans, do you think that Nashville and the size of our market can fill 81 home games of 30 to 40,000 people? Like we've got 17 soccer matches. We've got eight or 10, eight to 10 football games. Vanderbilt is spending a lot of money to renovate their stadium, but can barely fill 38,000 um, for, for other reasons, not just because it's, it's a small student body population, et cetera. Um, you've got the Preds who have to fill their building 41 times. At about nineteen thousand, do you guys think we can actually go to baseball games and pay for the and pay the pay for the tickets? I think I'm optimistic about baseball. I mean, you see the attendance in MLB going up this year with the shorter games and uh, a little bit better television ratings, and every piece of every data point we have, mainly the sounds uh, attendance is excellent. All those other teams' attendance, I think, is is excellent. And it's in the summer, right? That's our tourism season. So you have your healthy base of eighteen to 20,000 fans. You add in the tourists. Um, so I think my short answer would be yes. I think that we would support a team. I think it depends on the type of stadium you build. You, you know, you're not going to – I think we've seen 
And you see this in college football design. You see this in pro football design. Uh, and you're you're seeing this in in baseball stadium design too. Yeah, they're getting smaller. And make it, make it more intimate. Make it more intimate. Make it a better experience. You can charge more for it. Uh, and increase amenities. Yeah, increased amenity. Like like you're selling you're selling a night out. You're not selling a game. And and that that is what's going to have to happen here. Um, you know, the, the MLB attendance numbers are really interesting to me because uh, there's been an alienation of those fans for a while now, partially because of the length of the game, partially because of cost and other stuff. But like the length of the game thing has been has been necessary to bring some of those people in entrenched markets back into back, you know, back into the stadiums. Did a really good job. I don't think it necessarily is any sort of, I don't think it's any sort sort of like trend on baseball, but but more baseball kind of getting its house in order and, and kind of like shoring up the shoring up the fan base that it has. You know, uh, there's going to be a there's got to be a reckoning at some point with with all of these sports. And this is you know this is what you hear on the NASCAR side is that is that NASCARs. You know, NASCAR is going back into smaller markets. It's going back into Rockingham. It's going back into, you know, North Wilkesboro and places like that. Uh, and it's going, you know, like like Nashville's perfect for that. Like 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 a a smaller kind of intimate experience is good because they're not filling super speedways anymore. Like NASCAR may have may have may have missed that sort of like peak attendance piece of it. And so you're you're not going to have as many, but you give them a better experience uh give them you know give them a more intimate experience and you know it's why it's why short tracks are are more, much more attractive to nascar right now and i think that's part of the push behind the, the redevelopment here in town you know at some point all of these things it's not necessarily the the attendance piece of it because we're growing so fast and and have been growing so fast particularly if you like if you like put that thing in rutherford county and, and you're you're drawing from like what is the what is the now what fourth largest county in the in the state that that makes a lot of sense um, versus it, the there's a, there's a sort of a real question about sort of long term how do you where are the sponsors in a market Nashville size and do you have enough sponsorship dollars to support at a high enough level for all these pro franchises. Uh, and that to me is, that to me is, is, is a bigger question than the attendance piece of it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think, I think we've successfully crushed every baseball fans dreams today on the show. Uh, until Good job, everybody, until Bill Haslam. Well, that's basically your goal. Every time you talk about baseball, Steve, uh, until, until Bill Haslam, I don't put, hate puts baseball, out a, puts out a press release. Nate, thank you so much for your work. Of course, uh, go sign up for the Axios newsletter. It is tremendous. I read it every morning. It's great. Uh, you and Adam do a great job, so go check it out. Uh, and uh, we do appreciate your time. Keep up the good work, bud. Thanks. Thanks, guys. That was Nate Rao from Axios. Uh, lots of great newsletters, by the way, on the pod. Make sure you sign up for the Nashville Banner, nationalbanner.com, for their great newsletter every single morning. And you got Axios. It's a great, quick little read. Gives you an update on everything that's going on in the city. Uh, some lot they put Nate's a big sports fan, and, and so they put plenty of sports into that that uh, newsletter. But it's a great little read every single morning, very quick. So make sure you subscribe to the Axios newsletter as well as the Nashville Banner newsletter as well. I, I do you feel a little bit better 
about hopefully trying to educate the people of Nashville. I, I it is one of the strangest disconnects amongst all my friends and family. That it's one of the first questions anybody asks me is like, "Well, so what's the deal with baseball and or when is the stadium coming or what's the latest? Like, how is it unfolding?" And I want to be like, "You've trained me so hard into this subject now. It's like nothing is happening. What? <laughs> it's just a bunch of celebrities putting out press releases." By the way, I, I like all those celebrities. I think they're great. You know, Luke Combs and Justin Timberlake and Don Mattingly and Dave Winfield. Like, they're fine, all great. Fine people. I love fine all those people. And and the celebration of the history are being used to launder a, launder a uh, baseball the, operation. And the celebration of the history of black baseball, I think, is really important. Uh, I just am not sure that this is ever going to turn into the thing that Music City Baseball wants it to turn into. Again, on their website, their goal is to have construction completed. And an entertainment district, multi-use entertainment district built and ready to, to play baseball in 2027. Amazing. Amazing that that's going to be going on at the exact same time as the Titan Stadium. Awesome. That's taken 10 years. It'll take 10 or 12 years total to get finished uh, from a planning stage all the way through construction and development and playing. No, I, I, what I hope people take out of this conversation is every time Nashville gets mentioned. So there's, there's sort of two, there's sort of two things. One is... When Nashville gets mentioned in in other outlets uh, around the country as being a possible destination for the White Sox or the Orioles or the Rays or something like that, I mean, like these are leverage plays by those by those ownership groups. Yep, I mean, yep. Jerry Ryan's there. There is no. <laughs> There's a zero percent chance that in six years they move to Nashville. One of the things that strikes me about the Titans as being kind of ridiculous is the 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 history of the of the Oilers being the ownership of the team in Nashville and the Houston franchise, not having kind of like that Oilers history, because I mean, I mean, like I'm a big fan of Earl Campbell and, and, and the, the love you blue teams and whatever else. And you know, the four wide five, five wide receiver oh, like offense. The, that was the, the Warren moon, Ernest Givens, Haywood Jeffries run and gun or run and gun, there whatever it is. Yeah. yeah run, run and shoot. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but those those were fun teams to watch and and whatever else. But I mean, like that's not like the I mean, like the history of the Titans begins in nineteen ninety eight. Let me ask you this: what what is what would be more ridiculous, like us having a claim to Earl Campbell somehow, or us having a claim to Shoeless Joe Jackson? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's like a hundred years of baseball. It was more than a hundred years of baseball in Chicago with the White Sox. You you cannot that is heresy to think about the White Sox in Nashville. Their stadium deal doesn't even come up for another six years. So, like, he's he's way out in front of a very yeah. – it's very early in their negotiations to try to get a bunch Ryan of Surf, money. I mean, so. I read a pretty good analysis of this, of this in the trip. You know, Reinsdorf is much more concerned about the Bulls and kind of and kind of like that piece of it. You know, this may be a leverage ploy to, to get the value of the White Sox up, like, with kind of a refurb stadium there or or something – well, but, and but, but so anyway, what's, but, but, well, let me let me point, but let me point out one thing before you get to your second point because this is an episode all about you and and I think the the yes. one <laughs> the, the one point I would make about the Oilers thing is that it's it's a little bit more complicated when like such premier figures like Eddie George and Steve McNair technically overlap right like that, that those are such major figures in the early Titans era uh, and technically they were the Oilers in the state of Tennessee for more for for an entire season. Uh, I think two seasons actually, but the the question is, if if only you you had a big ticket item you needed to pay for and could sell off the property rights and trademarks to a potential, you know, brand logo, like they own it, it's theirs, but they could in theory sell it for a whole lot of money 
if Amy Adams Strunk they really could. does, if Amy Adams Strunk and the Strunk family really does need to liquidate some assets, try to pay for a massive stadium, you could just sell all those things back to the Houston Texans if you want. <laughs> Can you? But what what level of what people level, would lose? Level of people like, would lose their mid- shit. People would lose their shit. What, what level so of like of like Middle East kind of diplomacy <laughs> would have to happen in order for that that sale to go through? Yeah, you're um, you're right. A journalist they- would be dismembered. You're correct. I will say this though: I was walking through a sporting goods store the other day with my wife and kids, and I was like, "Damn, those uniforms look pretty badass." <laughs> uh, those Oilers, those, those Oilers throwbacks are pretty. They're pretty so empty. badass, uh, like uh, so good. I love a good throwback, and those Oilers ones are are really fucking sweet. So the first thing is, is kind of like the leverage play about it. But the second play thing is is but the most annoying thing here is when local outlets pick up pick up that stuff secondhand and be and are like, oh, Nashville in play here for the White Sox or the Rays or or the Orioles, absent any context around exactly what's going on in those cities. And, and that's the, that's the really, really annoying kind of piece of that to me. I mean, if you see that stuff here in town, absent that context, just ignore it. It's not real. It'll be, it'll, it'll be real when people are actually rich. People are actually lined up to spend money in Nashville. When that happens, it'll be real until that point. You can, you can ignore all of it. All right. So there you go. I agree. Now, last but not least, Steve Cavendish believes that he single-handedly changed Gannett AI policy. Now, so, so, so he tweets out, this was on um, August 21st at 8 a.m., uh, quote, yep, that's a Gannett paper running AI-generated high school football stories. Yep, it's terrible. The Columbus Dispatch was the newspaper, which, by the way, is the largest city in Ohio in a football-crazy state. With a, I would get what what I would guess is the largest readership, probably in the state of of Ohio, and it was a pretty terrible story written clearly by a computer about uh, Westerville North versus Westerville Central, and you you got uh, almost two thousand likes, you got o- over almost six hundred retweets, you got almost a thousand quote tweets. Was this the most successful tweet of your career, Steve? 2.2 million views, I think, is the, yes. is the thing that you yes. want to emphasize there. 2.2 million views. Uh, um, is it the most successful tweet of my of, of my Twitter career? Maybe, possibly. People are saying. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no, I have no idea. You know, here's the thing: Twitter audiences are a weird kind of amalgamation of like a lot of stuff. Like, if you follow me, if you follow me on Twitter, you're you're either following me for like local politics stuff or like soccer stuff or like food Be- stuff beagles or, or you know random vegetables that just kind of appear as pictures or dogs or something you know something like, like people follow people for different reasons sure um but i tweeted that out and i tweeted out yep that's a gannett paper running an ai generated high school football story yep it's terrible the funny part of it is, is a buddy of mine had actually it actually texted me the screenshot of it. I, I didn't I didn't see the screenshot. My friend Josh Crutchmer, who I was going to say, give credit like, then. I, I, I gotta get. I have to give credit to Crutch because <laughs> because he sent it to me and and I told him and I was like, hey, this thing's kind of blowing up. I probably should have credited you. And he's like, you're goddamn right. You should have credited me. <laughs> I'm the one that sent it to you. <laughs> but it kind of like took on a life of its own, like because a bunch of sports journalists kind of kept tweeting it around. And 
what happened was a bunch of places started asking really uncomfortable questions about Gannett doing this and kind of the quality of it. And it, this was this was on you could find these stories on the Tennessean site. You could find them at Gannett Papers. They had rolled this out all over the country as part of a a thing called Score Stream, and essentially, like the AI bot was was converting box scores into stories. And they're doing that because these Gannett sites are built for SEO and you know search engine optimization. They're they're built to show up in search, and so this just increases the size of their footprint kind of in search these like really poorly written stories which are by the way awesome are, are like awesome in in search and so yeah two, 200 uh, words with exactly but, what happened with keywords yeah they're just legitimately awful well they got so much blowback because of it it's not because of my tweet it's because they did something stupid that they they suspended the program after like a couple of weeks of of running this for like for like high school football and high school soccer and some and some other kind of fall sports and they say they're reevaluating it. There's a story in Axios. I think I think the Columbus Axios wrote about it, saying that they had suspended it. And then I looked, you know, the, the Tennessee didn't say anything about it. They just like didn't. All of a sudden, these things didn't exist. Like the week, week the next two week of uh, high school football. Yeah. Week two didn't have uh, AI. Week two week AI two. written stories. This like high school football season, so we're in like week week seven or something like that. So uh, you hate baseball, but you are a hero to high school football fans everywhere. Just, <laughs> I am a, I, I, am a I am a hero. I'm a hero to prep uh, sports writers everywhere. I, the, look, AI. There are good uses for AI for the banner that uh, somebody had done a demonstration for some AI, uh, some some assistive AI. I mean, there's a difference between like, when we talk about like generative AI, where you're using AI to create something original out of whole cloth versus sort of like assistive AI. L- original is a loose term, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you're using it to like kind of augment stuff that you're doing. When you prepare stories for for the web, I mean, SEO is a real thing. You want to show up in a, you know, kind of like in like organic Google or Bing or, or or whatever search. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you that you have to do in order to sort of optimize for that. There's some AI tools now that will help you that will help you do that and that will help write like the summaries that appear in Google search that will help you know help you with certain kind of keyword pieces that will help you with tagging will help you with with other sort of things that's like really helpful that's like actually saving you time and effort this is like the cynic might say that like you you're trying to take jobs away from sports writers like this shit will never replace actual prep sports writers because you have to have people that have eyes on the game in order to and we've talked about this you know in a couple of different conversations on this pod you have to have people that see things. And Teresa, I think, was was the one who said, "You're never going to be able to replace me being able to tell you exactly what I saw." Yeah, the, and, the look, the look in Pat Summit's eye after a, a game exactly. when she had largely full blown dementia, like that. A computer's not going to yeah. pick that kind of detail up. So, no. All right. Yeah. Do you feel but, better? So anyway, so this episode, do you feel better? I feel a little better. I, I do. I got to say. All right. Good. Feels pretty good. I did it just for you. I just wanted, I wanted you to know this entire, Thanks, this entire episode was about, was about you. <laughs> and by the way, I joked about it earlier on the pod, but congratulations to a college volleyball team. Nebraska women's oh my corn, God. Cornhuskers basketball 
set a world record for attendance for a women's sporting event at over 92,000 people. They made 90,000 tickets available at the Nebraska football stadium. They sold out in 48 hours. It was put on and imagine the amount of young girls around the country watching that volley. But for, for those of us in the South that don't get this, cause we, we, we love like women's softball. We love, you know, there's lots of great sec basketball, women's basketball teams, Certainly, there's lots of great women's soccer love and interest for the U.S. women's national team down here. Volleyball in the Big Ten is fucking huge. <laughs> it is. It's huge. It's huge. And congratulations and, 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 to Nebraska. If you build it, they will come and they will watch. So way to go, Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska women's volleyball plays in plays in like a smaller sort of arena that normally that normally sells out 8000 seats. I mean, it's a big damn deal. It, it is a very big deal. And it, that was the, the images of that were so fun awesome. to see. Although I, I have to, I have to laugh because like there's an AP tweet this morning, like one of the AP sports writers tweeted it out and it was like 92,000 people. Wasn't this great? And they used like the generic empty stadium shot with it. Like to just show like, here's what? the stadium where this oh, happened. Oh. It's like, there were all these great photos of like a full stadium. You couldn't, you couldn't have found one of those. You had to use the empty stadium. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to juxtapose the two next to each other, that's fine. But I think most people know what an empty stadium looks like. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Either way, the videos all over social were amazing. It well, we're checking uh, out. Yeah, it's 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 a it's just it's a great story. And I think it's we've had an entire episode about the growth of of interest and spending and revenue around women's sports. We are hitting a critical mass here and it's only going to continue to explode and grow. It's great. It's great to see. Um, so there you go. We hate baseball. Uh, we hate AI. Uh, we love Labor Day and college football and we love Jaspers. Uh, so there you go. And Steve, you're just a hero. Thanks, man. I am a hero. One, uh, one quick recommendation at the, uh, at the banner site right now, we put up uh, Dimitri Kaladimos doing the Lord's work, uh, did individual interviews with every at-large candidate. They're 10 minute interviews. They're very, they're very digestible. Uh, if you don't, if you don't know who some of these people are, go watch it. You'll get a you'll get a feel for them. Yesterday we put up a half hour interview with Alice Rowley. Today we put up a half hour. We're taping this on Thursday. Uh, a half hour interview with Freddie O'Connell. They're really good interviews. Really uh, substantive conversations uh, between Dimitri and the candidates. Go check them out. They're it's really good long form journalism. And uh, Dimitri remains to be remains the best. So. I I will say the at-large interviews are an incredibly valuable resource and asset with eight of them running for four at-large seat. That's a large chunk of the Metro Council. So educate yourself before you go vote. Please go vote. Early voting is open right now. Uh, September 14th, of course, is the election day. And uh, as undecided as I was going into August 3rd is as decided I think this city is heading into September 14th when it comes to the mayoral race. But that's just a random prognostication, in my opinion. But the at-large seats... Go check those out. Those are really important interviews. Uh, go get to know those candidates and make some smart choices about your city's future. Otherwise, thank you to Jaspers. Thanks to Nate, Steve. I'm so proud of you. I'm so I'm very proud of you. Thanks, man. Way your, to go. Your your pride means everything to me. Way, way to go. Thank you guys for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everybody. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.